0: Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by listennotes.com. So you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau.
1: Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. We've been talking with Marnie Hill Federaro. She's an award winning author, celebrated author, a speaker, an educator. But she's also the author of a great book titled, God Came to My Garage Sale. Now, this is the conclusion of a great two-part interview. So if you missed any of part one, you need to go back and catch up. Because today, we're going to start off with Marnie explaining about being raised as an atheist and how that affected her outlook on life until the garage sale. Amen? Let's jump back into the interview now with Marnie Hill Federer. You were raised in an atheist home. Yes. What caused you to go on a search for God?
2: You know I believe that I, from my earliest memories, I believed that there had to be something more than what I was told was you know the origins of humanity and that type of thing. um I just in my heart of hearts questioned, and you know when I would look at nature, when I would look at human bodies, when I would look at the negative things that happen and try to make sense of that. And then also look at the amazing positive things that happen. And, you know, I just, I went on a quest and, you know, really didn't kind of take some of the deeper steps until I got into college when I was, you know, really kind of independent and free and on my own to kind of explore what my belief systems were. And it was during that time, maybe my sophomore year in college when I stepped into the church for the first time, and I um, started attending Presbyterian services um, because a friend had introduced me. Um, he was very involved in in a regular, you know, attending church and and being involved. Um, I I resonated so much with what I was experiencing that I actually, decided to be baptized and that I did not have the support of my family. Mm. You know, um, that wasn't anything that, you know, meant anything to, to my parents, especially my dad, um, who is a devout atheist. um, And someone who has studied philosophy and religions and uh, cultures and, you know, but, but, you know, completely does not believe in anything other than, you know, we just live and die, and there's no higher power. And, and then as I got older, and I got married, um, and started a family, I really wanted our family to be united. So I decided to convert to Catholicism. And I went through a year long program. um, And I really enjoyed that I really enjoyed the structure and organization of just you know knowing that you know at least once a week if not more i would be able to be exposed to scripture i would read the bible i would i would learn you know various interpretations of different prophetic messages that type of thing i ended up being a lector for a number of years and um but i ended up being a lector on my own i really didn't have the support of my husband at the time, he, you know, even though he was raised Catholic and his whole family's Catholic, it, it kind of seemed like um, it just wasn't a, a priority for him. It was a little shocking because, you know, I, I at one point, I believe that he was involved in the church. And um, so, but I did, at a very early stage in my children's development, I did decide that I wanted them to be able to talk about God every day in a school setting. And so I did have them um, attend, you know, preschool, kindergarten, all the way through eighth grade in, you know, a a Christian setting. Okay, and that uh, I felt was wonderful. Even though I didn't really understand or agree with everything, um, the pros of doing that really outweighed the cons as far as I was concerned. Um, but after experiencing such challenging life situations, I moved away from organized religion, not my belief in God or Jesus Christ that still remained extremely strong, but I really had a little difficulty with the hypocrisy that is shown in, in some organized religion settings, uh, certainly believe the community aspect is amazing. Um, so, you know, I would say that I've been kind of on a journey, but boy, at a time in my life when I lost everything and I could have experienced just the most negative emotions, I was filled with God's love and I was filled with, with, hope and gratitude you know definitely an attitude of gratitude because i was thankful you know i looked at the glass half full not that i was leaving this beautiful home and you know i was losing everything all my safety and security and when you're dealing with a domestic abuser you you are subject to a smear campaign where they've already laid the groundwork with your friends family neighbors even people from My church, I was very involved in this church and not one person, not one person reached out to me. Mm. You know, um, the priest didn't, you know, none of the people that I was involved with. And that was very telling to me. It was kind of like their silence was actually... Not only not supportive to me during this challenging time, but it was almost aligning with some sort of false narrative, whatever it was, of the abuser. Yeah. And but I was filled, getting back to the garage sale, filled with love. And in a my state of deep reflection, I was shown in a multi-sensory way with many different encounters mm-hmm. that
1: God came to my garage sale. Yeah. When, when you held the garage sale, tell us, you know, some of the the events that happened when you finally realized that God had orchestrated these things during the garage sale.
2: You know um, there were so many and I wrote about them in this book, even though it's a spiritual fiction, you know um, it is all based on true experiences that, that I experienced at the garage sale as well as afterwards Um, But one very profound experience was I was, you know, standing at the cul-de-sac, looking back at my home, again, with just a feeling of gratitude, and everything went into slow motion. And it was almost like I was transported out of my body in a way. It's very hard to use my earthly language to describe what I experienced. But I, I was surrounded by a dragonfly, and shortly after, five dragonflies, which I thought was pretty neat. But within a very short time, I mean, we're talking like seven, eight, nine minutes, I was surrounded by 50 and to what I believe 100 dragonflies circling me in slow motion, so much so that I could see the veins in the wings, the iridescent colors. I saw different sizes. Very specifically, I saw various sizes of dragonflies, which I equated with Humans, I equated them with babies and toddlers and teenagers and and young adults and grandparents, all kind of surrounding me with like a virtual hug or a literal hug that I was loved and supported. And that even though I was making a choice to get myself to a place of safety and and happiness where, you know, I can be true to my values, um, I was making a good decision. And and so at some point, and that experience actually was all in slow motion, like I said. And actually, most of my experiences are happen when it's like a slow motion. I'm in a state of prayer or gratitude or meditating or something like that. So that was just one of many experiences
1: amen yeah I've I've experienced that slow motion effect myself and it's it it, it is hard to describe because yeah. it's like oh I can go out and fix this real quick but yeah you're just observing because it's so weird to be looking at things in slow motion you're like what's happening and that's that's what I ask myself when i What's happening right now? You know, but But, you're observing. You're you're observing things on a deeper level.
2: Yes, you are, and and actually, every single time, I've never thought to ask the person next to me, "Are you seeing what I'm seeing?" (laughs) You know, I because that would be really good to be able to have some more validation. But you just are in this slow motion state, and and you really there's no time. In fact, like some of the experiences I had, it felt like it was hours or sometimes even days when really when I came out of the situation, we're only talking five or 10 minutes.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I've had it where, you know, I'm trying to actually reach out and I'm my movement was in slow motion. Yes. You know, Yes. I mean, that's, that's yeah. Amen. Amen. So this book, although it's fiction is basically your testimony of how you found God by him using other people to, for lack of a better phrase, to peel back layer after layer of your hardened heart. Yes.
2: Yes, it really was. It was just so profound and it it sent me on. And I, and as someone with an atheist background, I want proof. I want evidence, mm-hmm. you know, e- you know, even though I was moving towards faith, you know, without, you know, needing confirmation, I don't think I was quite there yet. And I and and I still welcome any kind of confirmation anytime. You know, mm-hmm. I love to hear from God and I believe I do numerous times. I, I'm starting to really pay attention to the signs and synchronicities. Um, you know, just like you had an experience where you heard a voice mm-hmm. saying to start your podcast and you turned around and no one was there. Nobody there. I've had that experience too, where I've heard a voice and it's not even like, um, audible. It's almost like a knowing, but then again, you, you hear a voice Mm -hmm. and, and no one physically on this earthly plane is there, but it's a hundred percent clear to me that. I was getting a message from God. In fact, one experience that I don't really talk about too much because it it's you know, this is kind of hard for people to understand if they haven't experienced something yeah. like this. But at one point at the garage sale, I was looking back at my my mailbox and I had an interaction with with one woman and you know, that chapter in the book is is um, the bangled bicycle girl or something like that, because I I was really focusing on some of these Italian charms. And, and at one point I saw this woman with all these Italian charms up her arms, but then at a later point, her arms were bare and it was almost like, okay, I was, I was supposed to be paying attention for a reason. But at one point you know, and there's a lot more to the story. But at one point at the at the mailbox, she was levitated above the ground. Mm. And I remember looking and thinking, is there a boulder by my mailbox? Or is she standing on a crate or something? And there wasn't. And there were tw- exactly 12 people around her mm. looking at her so mm. intently. And I'm thinking to myself, No one's here at my garage sale except that one lady. Where where did all these people come from? And I didn't even think at the time, I'm taking it all in, in slow motion again, I didn't even think to walk over to my mailbox and say, hey, everyone, what's going on? What's so interesting here? (laughs) You know, what has everyone's attention? It was more that I was supposed to really observe this. And I really, later on in analyzing this situation, you know, felt there was some biblical references here that I was supposed to be paying attention to. And, and so that was just another one of these amazing experiences that I think all are orchestrated by God for me to awaken that, that there is something, something more happening here.
1: Amen. Amen. Tell us about the main character of your book and how she came to the point of holding her garage sale.
2: Well, you know, I based a lot of it on my own experience, even though in the book I don't go into the domestic violence, the narcissistic abuse, the parental alienation. I really, after I don't know how many edits and revisions to this book, you know, I I wanted the message to be more about the spiritual miracles, as opposed to the person's background. I later went on to address those kind of family trauma issues in my five-book series, True Deceit, False Love. Not so much on a personal tell-all basis, but more as a reference, as a support, as a creative approach to handle and understand some of these other dynamics. But for this particular book, the first book, you know, I with the different revisions ended up making it more, not about the background of the character, but more about what she experienced and what okay. happened as a result. But basically it's about an atheist woman who loses everything and has to have a garage sale.
1: Amen. Sounds familiar, right? Yeah. <laughs> now, can you share a couple more of the events that transpired during the garage sale? Just a couple
2: Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, like I said, not everything happened at that garage sale. I really felt the need to incorporate other spiritual miracles that, that I had um, because they all were related. I kind of all, I saw them all as one, Um, not so much as individual separate events or only on a Saturday or Sunday at this garage sale. One very profound event um, happened when, I wanted to be pregnant with my second child more than anything. And, you know, it, I I was having a little bit of difficulty, I guess, you know, um, you know, I didn't quite understand, you know, when, when I would, you know, every month get a test back and saying, no, you're not pregnant. And I really, really wanted a child. Um, And what I did one day was decide to really, I've tried everything. You know, I tried all sorts of things to get pregnant. I thought, I'm going to try prayer. You know, I don't know why that was an afterthought. Should have been my first.
1: But and, and I like how everyone says that, well, I'll try prayer.
2: I'll yeah. try prayer. <laughs> I mean, but, but I'm saying it real, like that is really my thought process at the time. Yeah. And, and so I'm just being honest about where I was at, you know, emotionally or spiritually. So I thought I would try prayer. And, you know, a, a special person in my life, um, you know, his middle name was Gerard, as were all of his siblings was Gerard, because his mother prayed to St. Gerard, the patron saint of mothers, when she wanted to get pregnant. And I, I just remember that you know, that story. And so I thought, I'm going to pray to St. Gerard. And so I, one morning, just, you know, in quiet, didn't share this with anyone, didn't share it with my husband. I just, I just decided to pray to St. Gerard saying, I would love to, being a mother is the biggest joy in my life, the biggest calling that I have. Um, Please, I would like to be pregnant you know, just asking. And so that morning I, I got in my car just to drive um, just a couple blocks away. I don't remember exactly what I was going for, whether it was a pregnancy test or whether it was a coffee, you know, um, I don't quite remember what it was. And I decided to turn on a back road behind the, the little strip mall which normally I would not do. Normally I would just go straight to the light and, and turn into the front of the stores. But I turn, you know, it was, it was early in the morning. No one is around. There were no cars around. And, and all of a sudden I'm take that turn. And I am completely cut off by a speeding red Corvette. Mm-hmm. Now in my spiritual fiction, I, I call it a yellow Corvette because I already have another chapter where I'm talking about red Cardinals, <laughs> but Really, it was a red Corvette that cut me off out of nowhere, speeding in this tiny little back side. I, I just, it was bizarre, but again, everything went into slow motion, mm. complete slow motion, even though I knew the car was speeding and cut me off. And you know, if, if, if a car is speeding, you would not notice a license plate. Very clearly, I could see the license plate say, Gerard. And I. the feeling that I got was that God was going to answer my prayer, and he was going to answer it today. And sure enough, that same day, I found out I was pregnant.
1: Amen. 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 So what made you decide to write this book, God Came to My Garage Sale?
2: I was compelled to. You know, anyone... That I have met that has had a spiritual experience or a near-death experience or something totally profound is compelled to share the message. And, and the message that is is common amongst most everyone is that it's all about love, that God is love, and that you know, um we are supposed to live in goodness and light. And so just like so many other people, I was compelled to talk about it and to write about it. And and it actually helped. Writing, I have found, has been extremely therapeutic for me in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually found that, that writing made me rediscover what I experienced.
1: Amen. It Amen.
2: helped me remember details that I might have easily forgotten Mm because, you know, we're human. We forget a lot of details unless we talk about it, write about it, or uh, unless it's documented on, on camera or film or something. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was so glad to write about these experiences because then I could relive them Mm -hmm. and I could, I could remember and I could connect the dots to how I felt. Mm -hmm. And And, and some of it is annoying. Every yeah.
1: time you tell the story again, you're reliving it. And yes. It, it makes yes. it fresh again. You know, like the feeling I is just to, right. Yeah, just I like just when I explained to you about it. the calling that I had, you know, the, this voice behind me. Yes. Every time I say that, I still get those Holy Ghost bumps. Yeah. You know? Amen. Yeah. <laughs> so, hey, yeah. Outstanding. Now, you spent many years in education. Yeah. When did you decide you wanted to be a writer and an author?
2: When I had something to say, and that was after these experiences at the garage sale.
0: Okay. All
2: right. I mean, I've always written, you know, I mean, we start to write when we're little kids, we write our names, we write sentences, we learn how to write paragraphs and term papers. And then I pursued advanced degrees. So I had a thesis to write for my master's degree. I had a dissertation to write for my doctorate degree. So I've always kind of written. Um, I come from a family of writers and educators. So it kind of came naturally to me. But, you know, and, and I guess I would say that different experiences I've had in my life, I would think to myself, wow, that would make a great book, you know, or, or that, that story needs to be told. So I would think that, but never acted on it until I believe God came to my garage sale. Amen.
1: That's awesome. Now you, we mentioned also your five book series on domestic violence and and things of that nature. Can you tell us just a little bit about those books and true deceit, false love series?
2: Yeah, sure. You know, I didn't even set out to write a five book series. I was happy with my spiritual fiction. It won a lot of awards. You know, I I really didn't feel the need to go on and and, you know, have another career in writing. Um, Especially, you know, I'm not money motivated, which is a good thing because, you know, of course, being an author is, is you're not rewarded in that regard. But you're rewarded by by reaching other people and connecting with others, which is, you know, you can't put a price on that. But in my efforts to understand what I went through, especially the parental alienation, like how could bad things happen to good people? How could a loving parent and this happens to dads and moms? lose their children just because one person, you know, is angry that, you know, you found out their true colors and you, and you escaped to safety. You know, why would someone want to to keep hurting you and, and intentionally harm you and then use innocent children kind of as a weapon against you to destroy you. And it turns out it is more common than people want to even talk about. And so, In my efforts to understand, I would listen to podcasts, I would read books, I would look into the academic and psychological literature to understand what is narcissism, what is domestic violence, what is, you know, parental alienation, what are some of the terms that I keep hearing, um, smear campaign, you know, um, word salad, gaslighting, all these things that I really didn't know that wasn't part of my world. Um, Before I knew it, I had, you know, a hundred terms to look up and and connect the dots. And then there was a thousand. And then after it got to over 15,000 terms and phrases, I looked at it like, okay, this kind of research, even though there are many different definitions to all these different terms, it's providing some healing for me because I'm I'm understanding more what I'm going through. Um, I decided to go ahead and, and write the first book in the five-book series, which is a reference uh, book on these terms. And then that eventually evolved into writing acrostic poetry using those terms. And of course, my poetry was more like um, from many different people's point of view. It was not Like a personal, I just don't believe in naming names and, you know, personally pointing the finger at others or even myself. Um, You know, so the acrostic poetry can reach people, even if they're in a work situation that's very unhealthy, they could find value in in the acrostic poetry, which led to a survivor's workbook, Mm -hmm. then a free verse poetry book, and even a word search puzzle book. So I do have a sixth book in the series, which will probably be the final book. And and actually, you know, so many people have wanted to talk about my journey and uh, whether it's spirituality or being a survivor. um, It's hard to say no when when people want to hear and, and want to have these candid conversations. But I will say that in the new year, I'm going to. You know, scale back some and just focus on some very special literary endeavors. Um, yeah. There's a there's talk of God came to my garage sale as being a movie, oh, so wow. I could actually wow. see this um, being a crossover. You know, um, like you said, with with your mission of being a crossroads, reaching people at different points in their journey, yeah. I could see this book being um, another medium, another way if it becomes a movie you know, or a film, to reach people, to get them to question, hey, are there signs and synchronicities I should be paying attention to?
1: Amen. Amen. That's awesome. And, and, and there is no doubt that in this day and time, this type of information, unfortunately, is truly needed in today's
2: Yes, life. it is. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. are at a spiritual crossroads yeah. right now. There's, That's right. You know, um, more and more people... Are, are becoming aware and awakening yeah. to the fact that there's, you know, there's some evil forces at work and some very, you know, benevolent, wonderful things yeah. working as well.
1: Amen. Well, I pray that these books find their way into the hands of, of someone who needs this information. And with your permission, I'll put the links to these bo- books down in the show notes as Yay!
2: well. Oh, sure. That would be awesome. Sure.
1: Marnie, this has been so interesting and we serve an awesome God that can use something so simple as a garage sale to impart spiritual wisdom and answer lingering questions for someone. How great is that? I mean, God visits a garage sale. Praise God. (laughs) Amen. Amen. I truly believe that that happened. Hey man, how can someone order a copy of your book? God came to my garage sale. Is it? You on know,
2: Amazon? I mean, it's in many bookstores mm-hmm. around the nation, as well as um, as well as even internationally. So you can always ask your local bookseller to to order the book. But it's a click away with Amazon, Barnes and Noble. My publisher is Balboa Press, which is a division of Hay House, and Hay House books are all kind of about spirituality and self help and uh, awakening um, okay. and, and getting back to the true essence of of who we are and where we came from. Amen. So and- so you can always check me out on my website, which yeah. is the name of this book, sale.com. Amen.
1: Amen. And your five book series, True Deceit, False Love, that's on Amazon as well?
2: Yep. yep it's all there.
1: Okay. Yeah. And, and they can also order it through your website and
0: all yes. that stuff. Yeah.
1: Okay. And if you want someone to, if someone wanted to reach out to you to ask a question or maybe do an interview like this, how can they do that? How can they get in touch with you?
2: You know, the best way is just through my website, you know, okay. uh, because of some of the experiences I've gone through, I'm a pretty private person, even though I, I you know, can talk very yeah, freely yeah. and be very approachable in this type of setting. I've, I've learned to have to set up some healthy boundaries yeah. um, and keep myself safe in many yeah. ways. Amen. Um, but my website is the place to connect with me.
1: Okay. I'll put links to all that down in the show notes below. Folks, yeah. this book by Barney Hill Fadrero is a great read. And it is so inspiring. I know you will enjoy it. In fact, not only should you order your own copy of Marnie's book, you should get two or three and pass them out as Christmas presents this year, too. I mean, at the time of this recording, Christmas is just around the corner. Get your shopping done early and bless someone who needs to hear an inspiring story like Marnie's and sharing her great book, God Came to My Garage Sale. So just drop down to the show notes, click the link. It'll be right there to order your copies today. And I'll put the links to Marnie's five book series, The True, Dece- or True Deceit, False Love as well. Marnie. Well,
2: thank you so much for the plug on the books. I will say that, you know, my books are only eleven ninety nine, So they're like the cost of a fancy coffee. Yep. And, you know, if money is tight for people, which it is for a lot of people, there's e-versions of the book too. Oh, yeah. For only $3.99.
1: Amen. Amen. Marnie, I appreciate your time coming on the program today and sharing with us about your great book, God Came to My Garage Sale. And we need to get you on the program sometime and just discuss this other book series as well. Sure. Amen. Amen. Folks, that's all the time we have for today. For Dr. Marnie Hill-Fotteraro, this is Pastor Bob reminding you, be blessed in all that you do.